Hi there, this is Jack Howard playing Trumpet with Midnight Oil. We've just touched down in Minneapolis and you should listen to Comfortable Place on the Couch whenever you can. Welcome to Comfortable Place on the Couch, a short-run podcast exploring every Midnight Oil album in the year of their Great Circle Tour. My name is Darren Folds, and in the upcoming months, I'll be spinning, because you can spin compact discs, every Midnight Oil studio album from my comfortable couch. As well, I'll be taking a listen to some of their EPs, live recordings, and video releases. Joining me each episode is my longtime friend and fellow Midnight Oil enthusiast, Robin Harbin. Greetings, Mr. Harbin. What happened to your hair since last night? It looks like it's grown a foot. Isn't that funny? Mr. Harbin, we, yes. we had a long night last night. and Boy, you... and we didn't talk. I, I got home and I told, I told Rianne, oh yeah, me and Darren recorded the podcast last night. We only have 13 songs left to talk about Breathe. And she says, what were you doing <laughs> what then? What did you do? Yeah. So thank you for coming back again tonight. Here we are. It's night two. Night two. What's with the traffic being so busy? Sunday night, 8 p.m., I'm driving over your place. Yeah. Why was it, like, packed out? Why, why? Maybe everyone wants to go home. From where? Camp. Everyone was at camp this weekend because it was a wonderful weekend, oh. so they went out for a great weekend at the co- so camp. The at, camp. At, I was going to say at, cottage. You were going to say the cottage. Because nobody knows what a camp is yeah. when you're not from Thunder Bay. Yeah. Camps are buildings on property you own on lakes yep you go to camp go out to camp when we go to camp we're not going to pitch a tent somewhere that's tenting we're not going to go to a ranch somewhere a ranch yeah ranch ranch i don't know yeah we don't have ranches let's skip all that talk all this stuff yeah and get to the album let's get to talking about songs Mm -hmm. let's start at the beginning let's do that It's called Underwater. Okay, we often talk about who wrote a song and so on, but on every other Midnight Oil album, you know who played the bass and who played the drums and who played the guitars and all that. And we started talking about that last time, but for this one album only, because you have this fantastic list. Yeah. Every song let's hear okay, the let's list hear of playing. And does this have the writing credits as well? It doesn't have writing credits, but I have the, uh, the liner, the notes liner there. note credits for, yeah. which we assume is more like the writing credits. Yeah. Yeah. So, Again, big thanks to Magnus, um, yes. who found uh, this on the old Minero website and saved it and put it up on the uh, Powder Workers Facebook group. So we've got this neat. What a super thing. resource. Mm-hmm. So underwater, here are your credits for song playing. Peter, vocals. Rob, drums. Jim, electric guitar and organ. Martin, Electric guitar, Bones and Malcolm, bass, Bones and Trina Schumacher, vocal. Mm. 
So. This is a song with two bassists. Yes. And the songwriting credit goes to the entire band. So this is one of those, let's make sure everybody gets a piece of the pie songs. Right. And they never do split up lyrics versus music. It's always just whoever contributed in whatever way. Yeah. Yeah. So as I'm reading this, the first thing that strikes me as, you know how we were talking yesterday, Emmylou Harris being the first guest female vocalist. Yes. Trina Schumacher. Yeah. So she's actually the first, as far as we know, yeah. first woman to ever sing on Midnight Idol, at least in the order yes. presented. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, and you know what? It's, I actually have in my notes, what well, was Rihanna who thought, that sounds like a lady singing at the end there, not just Bones. Oh, of Underwater here. Yeah, at yeah. the end of Underwater, Rihanna was thinking, that sounds like a woman singing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I think so. But it sounds like it's it's a confirmed thing. There you go. So there you go. Tina. She engineered E-Beat, too. She engineered it? Yeah. Oh. So she was probably an, an employee of the studio. Makes sense to me. Then, okay. I mentioned this last episode, but I'll, I'll say it again because it's a new episode. I'm listening to Breathe for the first time in, in years. Yeah. Earlier or last month. And it's like, wow, this is just like where... Earth and Sun and Moon left off. Yeah, it just kind of, it gave me that same vibe, that same kind of rollicking, good times, surfy, rock and roll, hippy-dippy kind of thing going on here. Yeah, it sounds like at the uh, distorted bass line it opens with, there was no time on Earth, Sun and Moon that they distorted the bass significantly, Mm. at least that I know of. Yeah. So that was different. But other than that, yeah, it sounds like an Earth, Sun, Moon uh, you got to wonder if Malcolm played the distorted bass riff that opens with. Sure, sure. And then handed it back to Bones. Well, you can do the rest. Oh, you're back from your pee break? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're done taking a leak. Here you go. Oh, so that's how it's going to be, eh? Well, Great. fair enough. Love it. Can't wait to finish this album. <laughs> so what do you got for uh Yeah, well, let's talk about the music, okay? It's kind of an F-sharp minor kind of thing, which is also we saw some on Earth, Sun, and Moon. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, for the choruses, it goes to F-sharp major, if we're going to call it the chorus, the, yep. the no one can make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's that major to minor thing. Yeah. Where we talked about being a bass-led song, mm-hmm. just like much of her Sun and Moon was. Yeah. And it has that organ in there. But it's not the wall. Here's the difference between Earth, Sun, and Moon and this song. Uh, Earth, Sun, and Moon was often the wall of sound. It had big, sure. thick organs and guitars and everything going yeah. on. And while we get that later on in, in this album, not here. Yeah, we don't get it for the hippie stuff, though, the same way. So what yeah. they've done, I think it's it's a sparser, they, it's a deliberately, like the organ mm-hmm. is deliberately a thinner, kind of more mellow, uh, laid back kind of organ. And actually, it sounds a lot like a Doors style organ. More yeah. than Earth, Sun, Moon. And I noticed that later on in the album, too. I wrote that down for a comment. Yeah, that, that the organ overall in this album has that, like, a thinner kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, not bad, but just uh, it's more, I don't know, precise, more something. He died in 2013, the famous Ray Manzarek, uh, organist for The Doors, huge part of their sound. Yeah. Funny, like, that that we pick up on like Doors sound and of course there's the Doors reference later on um, in one of the songs lyrically 
Oh, what? Uh, well, you'll have to hit me with that at we'll, the time. We'll get to it when yeah, we get to I'm it. I'm not yeah. sure I picked up on that one. Um, yeah, and there's also uh, two or maybe even three guitars at times yeah. playing back and forth yep. in this song. Yeah, it's it's a fun-sounding song. Yeah, it is. It's just the, the sparseness of it is what's well, almost deceiving because there's actually a lot going on in the song, but it's just, it doesn't, it's not clobbering you with it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's just kind of in there. Maybe you have this written down where everything really backs off at one point and there's just um, the snare maybe hitting underwater. Tunk, tunk, tunk. Are you talking about where the underwater starts, where it drops right down to that underwater, overland? overland. And, and I wonder... Who is the vocalist for that? Who does it sound oh, like to let's you? Let's give it a quick listen. And I'm not going to assume it's Pete because then Pete starts singing on top of that. Yeah. And usually the oils don't. Usually when they record, but not always when yeah. they record, they do it in such a way that they can reproduce it live. Yes. Like I remember um, the end of Earth and Sun and Moon talking about one of the songs where you can't play the snare and the hats and the ride type thing going on all at the same time. Like yeah. I could tell there's multiple levels of symbols going on. Yeah. That there's, there'll be drums that you can't reproduce. Well, of course the credits made it clear. I think that was bones. So you know what? I think this is bones singing in his low register, hmm. um, which has a very different sound than bones singing high. Mm-hmm. And we don't hear it very often, but I think that's what it is. sound like pete to me it sure does but yeah yeah it seems odd for them to do that and then but when pete comes in to sing it's like oh that's that does actually sound a little bit different what do you think like it's then bones takes over maybe (laughs) no maybe bones is doing a pete impersonation (laughs) or maybe it's pete just yeah it's just multi-tracking with two pete's at once yeah i guess it is yep um you were asking about drums last episode and the sound and that section that we just listened to is it was a, just a nice place to listen to uh the snare going on there you hear it's it's nice and tight um there are snare wires going on here but it's just a nice tight i think a, a brighter higher pitched snare than sometimes rob's paid, played in the past so yeah. yeah like that so that interplay between the multiple guitars is around 315 if you want to play a sample of it yeah three guitars going on at once there yeah that's some that's some really nice stuff there and and that's very earth sun and moony to me it's not quite the honky squonk that i was going off about but it's 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 nice yeah and then that lady singing girl tina tina i think it's it's your casserole tina (laughs) what's that from napoleon dynamite oh yeah yeah the pet llama tina eat your casserole can take her no one That's can break her okay yeah i think so i wasn't really like that that, I was, sh- that was nice thank you i've got a bit of a cold too you've always been our good girl singer <laughs> like whenever we've needed a good girl girl singing 
and like we have no girls, you're it. Darren will do it. Darren will do it. He's good at that. How does this song end? Oh, this is a fade out ending. Hear Tina there? I do hear Tina. Eat your casserole, Tina. That was a nice fade out. Sort of. Fade outs are ever nice. Lots of cool noodling arounds going on the guitar. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, do, I, do we like fade out endings? Like, aren't they cheap? We were conditioned by our friend Richard not to like fade-out endings. Because he hates them. He does. Um, there's a really neat thing Vox put out a video a couple weeks ago about fade-out endings and how they're coming back. Maybe I'll link to it in the show notes. But, um, yeah, this is a fine ending, I suppose. Does Koala Sprint end with a fade-out ending? Oh. And I'm I was saying... all the hard questions tonight. I'm sorry. And, and I was saying, ah, just, like, end it with, like, a big cymbal crash. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I won't include that. But okay. Yeah, fade out ending. I don't have strong opinions about that in this song. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk what you think underwater is about, Darren, if anything. Sure. Well, not to keep on talking about Earth and Sun and Moon, because we've already spent three episodes on that. Yeah. But when we were talking about Feeding Frenzy, and you asked me, so what's Feeding Frenzy about? <laughs> and I said, well, I think Feeding Frenzy is written from the point of view... Of a shark. <laughs> well, I was wondering <laughs> if that's what you were thinking, because you made this... A piranha. Or piranha. A bunch of piranha. Well, what did you really say about Feeding Frenzy? That it was uh, greed personified. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I think that so underwater... th- this is a case of, of something being personified here, too. I don't think it's talking about a, a person. I don't think it's talking about an animal or a creature. Well, I think it is about sharks. Do you? Well, sharks are underwater. They are, but they're not over land. Land sharks. Land sharks. You've heard of land sharks, haven't you? I have a hard time with underwater. At first, my goofball thing was, ah, this is Leviathan. This is like this big mythical beast that lives underwater and rampages over the land or something, or maybe a dinosaur or something. And I was never really thinking that seriously. Come on. And Leviathan is usually personified as female right i was just reading about this and like and behemoth is like the male male. okay yeah and like these two like legendary creatures leviathan and behemoth and one is leviathan is the underwater one okay and behemoth is the and female yeah and behemoth is the male above ground you are a fountain of all sorts of cool stuff like well i was just uh, i read dumb stuff but anyway then i then i moved on from that Okay. I dismissed that, and yeah. then I got to, well, is this about, is this simply about the ocean, like the just the power of the ocean? I wasn't totally satisfied with that, but whatever this person, this thing is, she's at home everywhere. She's elusive, she's strong, she's enduring, she's independent. So maybe he's, maybe it is a person that he's talking about, but he's talking about in these metaphorical terms. I, I don't know this one. What have you got? I noticed that they're really hitting you with some Australian lyrics right off the bat. Sure. Like the the bright cockatoo. Yeah. It just seems very Australian, like down at the beach, down at the ocean side. Yeah. Yes, this is something that the oils would write about describing the landscape around them. Yeah. So, you know, like, is it just about the ocean? What do you think about there is room for make-believe out in the ocean? 
and there's room for make-believe out on the land. Yeah, well, that was getting that was turning me on to the whole mythic thing. Yeah, right? you know. Well, it is interesting how like I kind of I kind of like this Leviathan Behemoth thing. I think it'd be more clear if they didn't keep talking about overland. Yeah. As well. Well, and the that underwater was... overland bit almost limits it as well because in the second verse you've got your cockatoos flying away. Now, is it the cockatoos flying up, circles up in the breeze in the realm that you can't reach? Or is this thing that we're talking about also there? Like, is this thing everywhere? It's funny how it talks about how you're up in the breeze. That's the realm you can't reach Mm -hmm. in the deep marine. In the deep marine. Does that mean that when you are in the ocean, then you can't reach? Is it about choosing? It's 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 the dichotomy. I don't know if we're going to come up with a real meaning here. I think this is the first song that we've really got no good ideas about. Maybe we have good ideas, but I'm not convinced that we're going in the right direction. Yeah. Which speaks to the greatness of the songwriting. It's a really intriguing song. You can ponder it. You can tumble it around in your brain for a month, still not know where you're going at. Perhaps the ocean personified. Yeah. Let's move on. Surf's up tonight. me with those credits it's kind of like a pairing these two songs eh? it really a couple is a little pairing. liquid songs but they also kind of they sound like they're from the same recording sessions they so. are a pair so let's hear let's see what people are doing we've got pete on vocals we've got martin on guitar we've got jim on guitar and vocals we've got bones on bass and vocals we've got drums rob and malcolm playing the tambourine and doing a little bit of singing interesting that jim is the only vocal credit besides pete eh? and malcolm oh and malcolm okay yeah and so this is a garrett magini song yes i think this one is a pretty straightforward kind of thing i i really do think that this is we see robin and i did something we don't normally do last night when we finished recording we actually started talking about the songs a little bit some of the songs here and there and we normally don't do that normally we come to the podcast and I have no idea what he thinks the songs are about and he has no idea what I think they're about or what we're turned on to musically and stuff like that. We talked a little bit about this mm-hmm. and I said, you know, maybe somebody's going to make a case for this being a song about sex. Mm. I think that it really is just a straight ahead song about the joyous surf. I see. So you want to talk what's about, eh? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. That way we can end strong on the talking about the music bits. Yeah. There's a line, summer's on hold. Mm-hmm. It will go running away. You got to move now. Doesn't this song recall a lot of... So what are you thinking summer's well, on I, hold is getting about? I, I guess this is echoing some of their other their other surfing songs. Yeah. I mean, obviously the title is Surf's Up Tonight. Yep. And it's kind of like seizing on opportunities. Yep. Right? Yeah. Like here's here's a chance. These things come and go. Yep. And, and whether it is yeah, a relationship sure. you're pursuing or just hitting the surf, yep. uh, even if there is a bit of, of well, that. I can, I can even picture the story that I think Rob tells in Willie's Bar and Grill, landed in L.A. or must have been L.A., and Pete just sees the opportunity to go for a, a quick surf before the show or something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and there was even one when they were playing. There was a benefit. They're playing out in that tent. 
right? Like a really yeah. small, intimate type thing. And, and Pete says, yeah, yeah he just, he just, just ran across to the beach and went for a surf. Yeah. Surf, and know? maybe that's the thing, like, because you and I aren't surfers, you know, <laughs> but maybe that's the thing. Maybe you just have to take the opportunity. When the surf is up, it's like, okay, it's here. Let's jump in and do it now. Yeah. And so surf's up tonight. Oh, like I'm thinking, why would you be surfing at night? Well, maybe that's when the waves came. Yeah. So you got to take advantage. Yeah. Like we've got our equivalents here, whether we're not that you and I do a lot of skiing or nope. fishing or nope. whatever. Nope. But they are things that are dependent on the earth having the correct conditions. The where... nearest thing I can think of is the smelter running. Oh, yeah. So you go do it now. You got to go get the smelts. Yeah. Yeah. Does, that, does everybody in the world have smelts or is that something only we have? Or... I think that... I don't even think that smelt are singularly freshwater type phenomenon. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the fish are going. The fish are going down going, that river, running up the creeks to spawn again. So yeah. let's nab them let's so they see, can't let's eat them all. <laughs> <laughs> feeding frenzy. Yeah, that's the feeding frenzy. Yeah, it's got this odd line. Now I was lonely and you were too. Yeah. I met you down at the waterline. Yep. Ooh la la. Yeah, ooh la la. There's, now there's something we can do. But I like this next line. Now there's something left to do. It's again, seizing opportunity. Or yep. if you feel, I don't know, hitting your forties or whatever, and you think you've done it all. You've, they, some people yeah. might feel that they've peaked, you know, they, sure. it's, they're past their prime. Yeah. Not us though. Well, some days I feel like I'm <laughs> past my prime. Maybe even that last verse you want to talk about when you're coming over land, there's a place where you can throw it all away. There's a place you can forget. You get wet. It's free. You get high. You're alive. Surf's up tonight. Yeah. When I, when I read those lyrics, when I hear the song there, I'm thinking about the all-consuming joy of being in the moment of surfing, <laughs> even though I'm not a surfer. But like I, I can see how that can be like all-consuming. Like It seems yeah. like something that you really have to pay attention to. You put your whole body into it. You put your whole mind into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back in 87, when I lived in Cottesloe, part of Perth, Western Australia, our road, Grant Street, ran right down to the ocean. We were, I was three blocks. Oh, yeah. So I would head down there yeah. and I would do the body surfing oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And I found that a lot of fun. Yeah. I actually did do quite a bit of that. Yeah. I was only, what, 15, 14, yeah. 15 then. Perfect time for for doing that yeah it was good and when you get dumped into the like i remember being on a trip to mexico when i was a kid probably like 12 years old and it seems stupid to me at the time i my memory is that i went down to the beach by myself we were staying at a condo that was like a couple blocks back from the beach yeah my parents let me wander down to the beach by myself i remember being overcast and nasty and big waves coming in (laughs) and i thought it was the most spectacular thing to put myself in the wave as it was coming in where it would just thrust me down to the bottom like to the sand at the bottom of the ocean there just where the beach is coming in and just kind of drag me on it's like i cannot do anything about it and i'm sure my parents were there because they weren't bad parents but my memory is just (laughs) when i think about now i think that was so stupid yeah, and could, so dangerous, but yeah. it was so exhilarating. Yeah, yeah. I think I feel the same, too. I remember getting caught feeling like all Out of, of sudden, control. Yeah, all of a sudden you're scared, like the ocean's got you. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, when you catch, I, I still remember the thrill of getting a good wave. Yeah. And you know, I have no idea how far you could actually go. If I walked out, did I walk out 50 feet or 100 feet? 
and then you catch a really good one that yeah. does bring you all the way in and dumps you on the beach at yeah. the end. And it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Well, even when we were little kids out at summer camp and stuff and the big waves coming in during swim time, yeah. we would just pound our ways th- through the breakers as they would come in. Because Lake Superior actually do get some pretty big waves. Yeah. La- yeah, Lake Superior is a very big, a lot of people think of a lake. Maybe Australians in particular can't imagine a big lake, but... These are big lakes. Yes. You cannot see across them. They are... No. You cannot see across them multiple times. Yes. And when you try to drive around it... Yeah, like... Around lakes... Decide to take, you know, three days. Like, if you want to not burn yourself out, you could probably do it in two days. Yeah. But yeah, take three or four days to drive around this lake. Yeah. Really, do it. And, like, you're still going to be doing six, seven, eight-hour driving days. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's right. And... That just to say that we do get some okay surf in the in Lake Superior at times. The wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, anybody? Yeah, it brought down a very large ship. Brought down tons of big ships. Yeah. 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 So there you go. But the ocean still is more impressive. Oh, yeah. By quite a bit. Yeah. Musically, I sort of think this was the only one that got radio. Or, well, there's a video for Underwater, and yeah. there's a definite video for Surf's Up Tonight, too. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that last night you were saying like the the meat of the album is from tracks like three till eleven. Yeah, I think so. And so these first two songs are kind of an anomaly. They're yeah. like a, a little intro, but it's where the label or whatever thought, oh yeah, these are the hits. Yeah. If there are any hits on or this Or maybe album. they're more relatable. Yeah. Like maybe the timing of things because it came out in October in Australia. You're you're just getting into summer there. Maybe these are good summer songs. Yeah. Maybe it was mainly with the Australian audience in mind yeah. when they chose these Because there didn't seem to be a lot of promotion. Like, as we said, we didn't know that this album was coming out until it showed up in the stores. There was yeah. no real promotion going on, in, at least that we were aware of. Yeah, and I read somewhere that this was shunted. Like, they were signed with Sony still, Yeah, but in North America, they got put on this subsidiary label, like this minor, minor label. It was a real step down. Yeah. As far as the uh, U.S. goes. Yeah, so this song, annoyingly, is an E-flat major. Why uh, is for that the annoying? Beginning. Well, you know, it's the worst guitar key there is, right? Yeah. It's the one that is one step below the bottom range of a guitar. Man, I can't play this song. I'll just capo it. Up 11. Up 11, yeah. <sighs> I can't yeah. even do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, But maybe they tune down a half step, which is a thing guitars can do. The drums are really notable in this song. I found like they're they're loud in the mix, but maybe this is where your word dry comes in to describe them. Yeah, just shortly after the beginning. It sounds like the drums are really present, but they don't have that room noise. Wherever the wind blows when it blows over the sea. That snare is super prominent, eh? Like it's it is really. Um, I I but, think I hear a bit of room in that, but yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty dry. Like it's got that sandpapery kind of sound to it. Is that a good way of describing it to you? That Maybe. just came out of my mouth. Sandpaper. That sandpapery sound. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. I am hearing the room as well. But there's something that snare is just so in your face. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that typical surfy kind of sound as far as the drums go, using the toms and such all through the song. That's right. It is a surf sound. Yeah. I agree. There's these nice background vocals, the harmonies. Yeah. Okay. And they do this nice key. It goes to the major sixth from C major to F minor. Now 
others. some nice harmonies oh that's great i stuff. like how pete responds eh? it's yeah. almost like is he talking to his bones singers yeah, yeah yeah it's like nice one bones. well done oh yeah <laughs> yeah and there's just some nice uh arpeggio guitar stuff but it's just that kind of classic oils this nice riff throughout the song yeah. and it's got uh, that that kind of surfy sound yeah. going through the guitar there riff is mainly spelling out a chord but just working around it yeah a great summer song yeah the late back feels nice yeah so these two songs are a little bit different sounding than the rest of the album so let's get to that now right on Common Ground. Hit me with those credits. We've got Peter on vocals. We've got Rob on drums and vocals. So Bones, uh, maybe this is the one note that you think that Rob sings. Yeah. Bones on bass and vocals, Martin on guitar, Malcolm on guitar and accordion, everybody's favorite dynamic instrument, Jim on organ and guitar. I played banjo in my day, so I'm yeah. allowed to make accordion jokes. Yeah. Were you ever in Mike and the Morons? Our, our band? I must have been in Mike and the Morons because I distinctly remember telling Mike every time I see him how he kicked me out of the band. Yeah, so you must have been in there for an early version of it. And yeah. Mike and the Morons are our friend Mike, who plays accordion and writes parody songs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was his longtime bassist. Like, I'm the only guy who never got kicked out of the band. You got kicked out on drums. Mike is kind of like a Malcolm Burns type character. He is. He's difficult to work with. He knows He knows what he wants, though. Yeah. And he'll chow so folds, what, you genius. What do you have in mind? <laughs> what do you have in mind for us, then? So, yeah. So Mike and the To Morons, Mike's credit, yeah. he got, like, he got gigs at, like, Fringe Festival type things yeah. all the time. So yeah, we got some good gigs. We and play. So not only did I have to play bass for one, I had to be Mr. Spock. For one sketch. That's Do you remember right. that? Because it wasn't always just about the songs. It's like you're being... He had like a whole... What well, was that? Da- David Letterman show. Yeah, he's doing a talk show oh, type thing with it. David Letterman of all... The, the number one oil supporter. Yeah, yeah. always. And yeah. they visited Dave Letterman when they were touring for Breathe. Yeah. And they played some... Um, well, I thought they played Surf's Up Tonight. With his little French beanie type thing? Not, Are we talking about Jim? No, no. I, I like Jim wearing, uh, not a beanie, I like Jim's beanie. No, uh, Pete was wearing like a beret or something, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Have we mentioned that David Letterman could, isn't it funny how Thunder Bay... David Letterman connection. The Thunder Bay connection The CBS for Orchestra leader. Yeah, the, the, the infamous Paul Schaefer, who is the leader of David Letterman's band. The CBS Orchestra. The CBS Orchestra at times, yeah. they're called that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and an actor and a contributor, like on movie scores. He was in and Spinal Tap. He was in Spinal Tap. Yeah, is is a Thunder Bay native. His old house is about four blocks away from where I live right now. All right on. Yeah, yeah. You know what we should do sometime. We should do like a video episode where yeah. we walk around Thunder Bay and just show everything that has anything, anything to do, any tangential 
mention of Midnight Oil that we've made that has something to do with Thunder Bay. Yeah, we'll do that in, like when it's minus 40 out and everything <laughs> is just like white and frozen. It'll you be say, like the Christmas behind, episode. Yeah. <laughs> behind this snowbank is, <laughs> right? We'll just have this white. Yep. I just want we quickly talk about, I like music. I like a lot of music that isn't very polished. You know, mm-hmm. can we call it that? Yep. And and Midnight Oil is among the most polished of the music generally. But Breathe is a less polished album. Neil Young doesn't always sing in tune. He doesn't have the most pleasing voice. Mm-hmm. He doesn't labor over his production values. Yep. And like what gets onto tape is usually, unless he messes it up, the first okay take that's is what goes on use. the album. Yep. That's how he works. But I have a lot of music that is in like that in some way. Like hmm. the tragically hip. Yeah, they've got like a raw sound. They're not unpolished, but they they are raw. And certainly the lead singer has yeah. a. It's not a pleasant voice, and Pete's voice in the oils isn't pleasant. Right. Try to think but, about and, some and both those guys they will just make things up on the fly too that become part of the lyrics. That's right. And uh, REM. I don't yeah. think Michael Stipe has a particularly pleasant voice. Yep. Yeah, I just wanted to say that Neil Young isn't every... Well, no music is whatever, everyone's cup of tea. But a lot of people might think, oh, I can't stand Neil Young's voice or I can't... Mm -hmm. Whatever. They might say that about Pete, Yeah, for that matter. Jim made a comment that I was reading that he thought that Pete did really well with this album as far as, you know, taking the time, singing well, and he just really loves the sound of his his voice and his delivery on this album. Yeah, he worked extra hard on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's interesting that he would, his vocal performance might be above mm-hmm. average for him. Compared to? While a lot of the album is um, more rough in a way. Yeah. Not bad. No, but, like yeah. purposefully rough. Yeah. Yeah. So Common Ground, we're back to more of that thin organ. Mm-hmm. And this song is in B minor. It um, does a really good job. I think, you know, you've got two mid to high tempo songs to start the album yeah and common ground starts really nicely and it's not a jarring we're slowing things down thing either the first chord that slide down there to the first chord just it lets you know we're slowing things down now. slide down there boom yeah yeah and there's these nice guitar hits this is probably martin and it sounds to me like progress played at one quarter speed like at oh yeah like 25 percent still rules the editors are full shall we douse out the flames how will everybody fuse and leave us stranded here tomorrow it can't go on throughout the song those stats actually i shouldn't even say a quarter speed progress it's like a 16th speed yeah i call them guitar stabs i don't yeah. know what they're called but or hits, even I as he's them. doing that it he's not letting them ring through like an arpeggio yeah but there is a little bit of delay like you can tell the the first string from the sixth string when he's going through there yeah there's you just hear it th- takes time to play the chord not yeah. a lot of time but it takes some time yeah I like those. So maybe maybe calling it laid back progress is a bit much, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of like those same yeah. ringing chords. Yep. Yeah. But much, much slower. Mm-hmm. There's the nothing's left, nothing's found. Um, they really go to this great big sound 
for those choruses. There's harmonies, there's just a wells up. Tomorrow. There's this cool bridge, goes to E minor, it's kind of this nice lift. It goes to the four, which is a common way. If, you're hang- if your song is hanging around like the one and five chords mm-hmm. a lot, like so if you are in B minor, but then you go to the E minor, it's got that fourth sound. And if you just hang around the fourth after doing just lots of one and five, it gives this real lift kind of sound. So you can hear it, it actually gets a bit heavy too. Yeah, that's funny. See, I would describe that. I, I totally understand what you're feeling. It gets that power behind it. Yeah. But for me, it almost, it sounds like it's dropping back a gear or something like that and just getting that oomph behind it. And it gives it that intensity that I think you're, you're yeah, getting. Yeah, yeah. Lift might not be the best word then. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Shift, shifting down yeah. to pass. Gearing down. And there is a little guitar solo in this song. Good vocal harmonies. Yeah. This is kind of where we see... The difference between Earth, Sun, and Moon and this album, there wasn't any songs on Earth, Sun, and Moon like this. Sounding like this. That would get kind of mellow and get heavy for a bit yeah. and then go back. Yeah. Yeah, they just didn't do that kind of dynamic thing. Yeah. And near the end of the song, it's easy to hear the accordion that Malcolm's playing. It's the readiness that, that's why, like, I yeah. mean, yeah. harmonicas and accordions really are the same technology. Blowing air <laughs> through, it's like through a clarinet, re- a million clarinets stacked together. Yeah, a million. <laughs> okay, several dozen. I might even be fooled to thinking that that's some sort of like pump organ or something going on there. But yeah, it's totally the accordion. Yeah, and it's swelling the way yep. the accordion can. Yep. Yeah. You know what? We laugh at the accordion, yeah. but you can get some really neat sound out of the accordion. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's fun to make fun of accordion. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I'm glad accordions exist. Me too. Yeah. Oh, hey, we had the world champion accordionist here in Thunder Bay. <laughs> right behind that snowbank did you know that no yeah, we'll have to go at the heimer's fair oh like he was just passing through no no he he's a thunder bay guy yeah and uh he was like the world champion accordion who sanctions world champion accordion <laughs> does anybody like do enough people he care enough go, he had to go down like to the states and they had the big accordion Duel, duel, and uh, and he won that year. Wow! You're like you are the accordion champion of, of the, the world. world. <laughs> right behind that snowbank. So what's this one about? So common ground being a term um, used to express that whole hey, can't we find a place where we can agree on something? Even if, we, if we're if we differing opinions on something, is there something that we can come together along and perhaps to work forward yeah. together with? It doesn't even have to ground. be... Yeah, it doesn't even have to be compromise. No. Common no. ground. It can be, I guess. Yeah. But, but the song the song goes beyond just a general talking about, oh, let's let's just all get along. Let's find somewhere where we can all work together. On. Hippie, I think Say hippy-dippy. Hippy-dippy. But it definitely starts, like, the first few lines is talking, I think, about media. And I think it's something that is probably just as relatable today as it was when it was, was written. 
the whole idea of journalism being, you know, cool-headed, even-keeled, presenting facts without bias. the truth, yeah. Yeah, this is not stuff that the oils have not played around with before. Yeah, yeah. yeah like between read about it or mm-hmm. you wouldn't read about yeah. it, really. And that line, the TV never lies, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so... And of course, this is a critique of journalism that isn't like that. Um, it, to me, it, it, it gives me thoughts of, you know, sensationalism and just trying to stir up distrust or hate or anger. I even think of not quite clickbaity type headlines, but the idea that you're writing stories and you're writing headlines to get your viewers um, to sell your newspapers. Yeah. And that's what matters. The, yeah. the money behind journalism, not the integrity behind journalism. Right. And it seems like that's exploded recently. Mm. But yes, so even even back in the 90s, this was a problem. Man. Yeah, the headline still rules. Now, do you think this is so much of this is about journalism i mean it certainly opens I think, with yeah that. i think it opens with it but maybe that's kind of the window into something some event that's happening or something that's that's going on talking about um uh towns of cement and beauty and then later on um the wrecking fields are a terrible place with the sulfur smell and the frightening pace i think overall this is this is about war whether it's nuclear war or whatever Mm-hmm. and how how we can find peace and this is on solving these problems between countries sure, I okay. think especially yeah well, we're talking about how hope is a theme and in this case even though overall this is like a kind of a down kind of song mm-hmm. uh, but we're ready from within and we're starting to go away from the place of no tomorrow yeah that's right so there's the the, the tomorrow refrain at the end of all the verses right yeah yeah, um, and just always wondering what is the future going to be like, and eventually gets to the point where there is hope in tomorrow. I like what you're thinking about about the song, giving it a, a place and and a, a reason for you know the vignette at the beginning. In verse four, it's kind of talking about money lenders and stuff like that, and how uh-huh. you know you've got industry rules, and I think that's maybe referring to the bottom line, you know, getting as much money as you can out of a situation. And I can totally read that into the whole war, the economics of war. War is great for the bottom line. Yeah. The mention of Shylock is kind of controversial, right? Mm-hmm. So I will bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, just Shylock being a character from Shakespeare's Merchant, Merchant of Venice, yeah. but controversial because some people read him as being very like an anti-Semitic mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. like the bad Jew. Yep. But I actually start reading into this more. And how there was a shift in, I guess, the late 1800s to start portraying Shylock as a more positive character. Or yeah, is that, as, as sympathetic. sympathetic. Well, I remember because we've mentioned our buddy Richard a number of times. He's a theater geek as well. And his company put on Merchant of Venice a number of years ago and I saw it. So when I think of Merchant, I always remember that. And yeah, it was very much portrayed as a sympathetic character. Yeah. Even if Shakespeare intended to play on those stereotypes, I mean, he really works at the end there with an excellent speech about I'm human too. Yeah. You know, if you prick me, don't I bleed and and so on. So I, I don't think it was wrong of the oils to use this reference. It's no, like, I don't think yeah, so. it's this idea of, of money lending. Actually, there's a lot of talk about the reason that Jews became money lenders 
was due to a whole bunch of influences around them, such as Christians having rules about mm-hmm. not lending one another money, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they still want to borrow money. Yeah. So they need somebody else to do that. Mm. Uh, and there were a lot of various countries were treating Jews very poorly then, making yep. them wear these hats and, and so on, and taking away many possible job opportunities. Yep. So in a way, it's like, here is a job you can have. There's not many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good song. Time to heal. So let me start with the uh, song playing credits here. Peter, vocal, Martin, acoustic and electric guitar, and mandolin. Mm -hmm. Bones, bass, Rob, drums, Jim, electric guitar, Malcolm, organ. So it's interesting, Malcolm, really serving as the sixth member of the band. Mm-hmm. In a way, that probably wasn't so annoying for the... Like, see, I don't think Jim had a real problem with it because... Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, like because Jim is the super talented, multi-talented guy, mm-hmm. it's like he goes back and forth, guitar, keys, yeah. you can see it. But for some tours, like the Earth, Sun, Moon tour, it's like, no, they need... Yeah, they brought on... They brought on a guy just to play keys yeah. because Jim was so busy just with his guitar parts. Yeah. I think Jim's always whatever serves the song kind of thing. Yeah, that serves the album more than serves the tour that comes up afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So even though I don't super like this song, it's a, it's a fine song. <laughs> okay. I got so much to say about it. All right. This is a super strummy song. The Oils have never made a simpler strum-along kind of song, I think, ever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, and... And so I actually chose this. And when I say, yeah, okay, I mean, that means I'm listening to you and I'm hearing what you're saying. (laughs) You don't agree, but... I'm I'm not sure I agree yet. It seems like you've got something up your sleeve, so continue. Well, there's a couple things. So, you know, I've been playing bass for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. We're in bands. But you remember back in our first band... Heads Up? Well, oh yeah, for sure Heads Up. Well, okay, and then... You can hardly call that a band. Yeah, you can barely call that a band. But yeah, it is our first band. Okay, our second band, our first kind of good band was North in the Sea and... Well, I didn't get to sing. Right. Why, why didn't I sing in that band, Darren? I'm trying to think of how I can be diplomatic no, about don't, this. Don't bother being diplomatic. I think the real reason was, <laughs> this is me being <laughs> diplomatic, apparently. I think I sung my songs, Doug sung his songs. Yeah. And y- you... I just wasn't writing songs then. Yeah. You did have one, one or two songs that I remember we have demos of. Yeah. But... I think me and Doug just felt comfortable doing our own stuff, and we like the sound of our voices. <laughs> yes, there, there it is. Yeah, I've never, I still can't sing well, but back then I was a really terrible singer. I just had no, I just could not hear the note I wanted to sing and sing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so over many years, I've gradually got slightly better. Oh, yeah. But still not good. But, But that's okay. About 10 years ago is when I decided I was going to start trying to sing more. Okay. And I would start showing up at these various little coffee houses, like yeah, yeah. where it'd be the coffee and people get up and sing the songs. Yeah. It was a safe place where it was mostly friends and this, yeah. you know, in this old church basement. Yeah. And so I was trying to find material. Yeah. I wanted a Midnight Oil song. And Time to Heal was about the only thing oh. that was easy to figure out like the chords are super simple yeah and i could just stand there and sing it it was very easy to sing song okay. so anyway the first midnight oil song i ever performed publicly yeah was time to heal huh. not because i love the song but it was easy to play 
and the message seemed appropriate for the yeah. setting too it's kind yeah. of like a hippie you know coffee houses are kind of a yeah. peace love kind of thing sure oh peace and love eh uh-huh peace oh. and love peace and love okay so speaking of peace and love well done i know that the greatest beetle from the beatles you know who i'm talking about I the greatest beetle i know who i'm thinking yeah is is obviously paul mccartney mm-hmm. brilliant songwriter super good bassist like influential bassist and you know how and earlier that. I was saying, you know, just because I'm saying mm-hmm doesn't necessarily mean I'm agreeing with you, but I, I hear what you're saying and I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So, so mad. Paul McCartney's so great, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what, Darren, you, you know, seem I'm... a little hesitant. <laughs> Do you think somebody else is the greatest Beatle? I don't know that I've ever made a statement on who the greatest, greatest. Beatle is, okay. but my favorite Beatle yeah. is not Paul McCartney. Oh. I would much rather go see... I would much rather go see a really good Beatles cover band. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's not true. But, um, oh, what's his name? Will, speaking of um, late night orchestras, Will, who plays with Paul Schaefer in the CBS Orchestra, he's the bass player, has a fantastic Beatles cover band that yeah. I would love to go see sometime. Wow. But yeah, I, I, would, I would go see Ringo before I would go see... Paul, is that what you well, needing me to say? What, yeah. And when I say the greatest, yeah, I do mean the fate. My favorite yeah. is definitely Paul McCartney, but yes, he is the bassist. And Darren very predictably goes with the drummer. Oh, Darren. Harrisburg. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you're you're saying Ringo is definitely your favorite, eh? Yeah, I I like Ringo. There's a long story, like all the all the other Beatles, you know, the guys who actually could write songs. They would go... That's not fair. I think it's well documented that at least in the earlier years of the Beatles songwriting that they were getting, hey, Ringo, you should really, you should step really it up. step it up and, and contribute some songs here. And he would show up with these songs and then he would sing them for it. And the guys would go, Ringo... Do you know yeah. that John and Paul so desperately wanted to have Ringo in the band they were groveling to him to get oh, him in the band. I understand. Do you understand yeah. that without getting him into the band, you would not have had the Beatles? You never would have got to hear this bass playing and this songwriting? <laughs> yeah. Just be kind. I, I am not denying that those may be facts. Maybe facts. Yeah. But when they're trying to get Ringo contribute some songs, he'd show up and he'd sing them hit their new song and then they'd go, uh... Sorry, Ringo. That's that's already a song. <laughs> that that's okay. That yeah. that's and, and and John and Paul would shake their heads and they go and they go write him a song. Right? They go yeah. write a song for him. Sure. And he would sing that. Yeah. You know, every album. And then finally, right near the end, he starts showing up with original songs, as opposed to copying other as, people, as opposed to stolen songs. Yeah. So now, and when you say this, it's not like he's coming with melody and lyrics that are like somebody else's but like you're thinking like he heard the song somewhere and it got stuck in his head yeah. and so he wrote new lyrics and it's not even intentionally writing new lyrics yeah he's i'm not saying he in he's those tr- cases was like a super deliberate thief but he got a melody stuck in his head and he didn't realize yeah. that he was using it for his own material yeah okay yeah it was stolen the copyright office doesn't really care whether uh sure no i get that i get that <laughs> okay so 
I hate to say this, but your hero Ringo. This is the one I want to hear. This I'm stole, excited to hear. This stole from the oils. Really, and he stole, he stole of all the songs. Time to heal. He stole from Time to Heal, which is this this hippie song. That's kind of so it might even be a little deliberate. I'm not saying it's deliberate. I'm just saying maybe it was by accident. But okay, so given his track record, yeah, given his track record, this is this is an entirely believable possible thing here. Okay, so Ringo in 2010 released an album called Why Not? Yep. I brought it along for you to look at. Yep. And track two is called Peace Dream. Mm-hmm. Peace Dream. Yeah. Okay. Peace Dream. And I was just listening. To, I bought this album. I heard McCartney played bass somewhere on it. I'm, I'm really digging the Ooh. song. It turns out that... A little this, McCartney side project here. I better pick this up. Yeah. And it turns out that, in fact... This track is the one that McCartney plays bass on. It does have a great bass line. I'm digging it. And then all of a sudden, Ringo, he's singing Midnight Oil. Let's hear it. No more doubt, no more pain. No more hunger, no more pain. Unbelievable. No more doubt, no more pain. Okay, oh, okay. wow. Okay. Did you hear them sing together? Yeah. No more pain. Is is that it? The song... <laughs> this, is that... The, so the song has a whole bunch of similar... There's similar themes in yeah. the lyrics. There are similar melodic motifs. Yeah. But that particular line of no more doubt, no more pain, yeah. no more hunger... No more pain. Bizarrely, the no more pain part yeah. is the same notes and the same delivery. It's exactly the same, the same key. Te- eh? It's same key, yeah. same tempo. And I could play them. I just, I copy and pasted them. And it's like P in your left ear. Yeah. And no more doubt, no more pain. Now, they are singing. The chord is slightly different. But the notes are identical and the pace, like I, I just, I drop them in together and it's like, I hear Pete in one ear snaps and together. Ringo in the other ear. And I'm like, whoa. Wow. Anyway, do what you will with that. I will definitely include it because I am dispassionate. That's my bit about time to heal. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm actually slightly relieved Yeah. that it was... Like, I'll listen to the whole song and stuff like yeah. that to, to get the whole vibe behind it. But it doesn't sound like it's, like, totally all lifted. No, no, no. Yeah. He, Ringo didn't steal an entire song, but it's just bizarre. This time. This time. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what, and, you know, okay, I'm I'm defending Ringo here, but, but the interval from No More Pain. Yeah. Like, boom, boom, boom. It seems to me that that could probably be a fairly common interval. But I, I get the whole, the timing yeah. of it being in the same key, the yeah. same words, yeah. all that, all together, yeah, what's same, leading up to it words, and stuff like that. The same words, the same notes, and the same tempo. Yeah. Uh, and in the context of a similar, the song being a very yeah. similar vibe. Yeah. So, yeah, this is 14 years later. Musically, all there is left to say about it, there's some good slidey bass in it. He's doing his his seconds groove, as I call it. Uh, where he's sliding up or down two frets. Yeah. Now the 
song starts with a deck. Yeah, your kick drum is hitting every beat coming in at the beginning. Yeah. Especially for the first verse, then then more of the kit joins in for the second verse. And it's one of these building it up type songs. Yeah, and it, it's a very upbeat song. Yeah. Quite hopeful. And it's interesting when people say this album is all like, it's that acoustic country album. Yeah. Well, we got to song four before we hear an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. How's that compare with some other Oils albums, sure. such as Diesel and Dust? Which is a dance album. So they say. <laughs> I just said it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some other really nice musical stuff, really nice actual instrumental around 215. Oh, that's exactly where I said there's good slidey bass. Oh, oh, is, that, is that the slidey bass? No, but there's probably... There's probably something probably else not, going on there, too. There's probably more prominent instruments that I don't even hear. Totally groovy bass line yeah. going on there. Um, but some fun spacey guitar yeah, happened as well, and I think it's even more pronounced just like towards the end of it. That's like a delay. More of those or... nice surfy tones. Yeah. I guess it could be delay. Maybe it is two guitars together. Yeah, whatever it is. Very yeah. sweet. So just like Ringo intended, I take the song about peace coming. Yep. Uh, we've talked before about the problems, like our, our First Nations people in Thunder yeah. Bay, yep. especially around this area with various problems from the residential school yep. system and all the fallout and now the substance abuse and broken families that can be traced back to that Mm -hmm. when i was seeing this in that church basement that's what i was really thinking about uh is that the idea of of healing um yeah goes with ringo's sentiment in his in his companion song i have reconciliation written down as the word to describe this song yeah i think that totally fits in what you're saying there yeah that Um, that's like our, when our prime minister now talks about yep. that's the word he uses yep. reconciliation lots of pairings of words like pain and healing with justice um, and forgiveness hope in there we've got the silence and stuff that's that's happening um, pairings of of community and religion when you're talking about being in the towns and the church bells ringing so perhaps roles for different people involved in this reconciliation i even wonder about uh, the poet and the artist's role in reconciliation the writer can't explain is yeah. that the one you mean yeah yeah were you taking that as a as a poet i was thinking that those were those headline writers again that the journalists as a negative okay like the writers can't explain right meaning i think the journalists yeah can't explain what's well what's going and, on. and maybe what i was thinking about was the price that we've got to pay you keep running from the wheel there's these unavoidable aspects to the song and you end up asking the questions you know why why do these evil things happen and i was i think i was getting at well even the poets you know in some ways you know that's the poet's job is to to find meaning in suffering to think about these things and you know, some things are just really tough, and maybe even the writers can't explain. So maybe that's where I was pulling that from. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the lines like there's being a dragging of the chain and running from the wheel. Yeah. And th- those are actually reminding me of Truganini. Yeah. In the way that, like, Truganini is both about the Aboriginal people. Yeah. And then also it's about, well, is it just about progress again? But it's about, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, and I think we'll talk about that progressing and the turning of the wheel and yeah. and how that relates to the human condition later on. I think they kind of expand upon that a little bit later on. Yeah. 
Hey, Darren, Sins of Omission. This could be a single. And by single, you mean? This should have been a single. single. This is a hit song. I like it. It's kind of a weird song, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I keep forgetting to check with our good friend Andrew Shakespeare. Thinks that one song on Breathe is like the heaviest, rockinest guitar solo, kind of great guitar tone song he's heard since way back when like species era yeah or maybe even before that yeah, like eh? yeah he, for him but i keep forgetting to check is it sins or is bring it bring on the change bring is it i think it's bring on the change right and he's like you guys who dis breathe should really listen at least to this one song and listen to it loud yes as darren says i don't think it's sins of omission it's probably the other one but still would you like me to, to read you the credits here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Peter, vocal and harmonica. Bones, bass and vocal. Malcolm, bass and electric guitar. Here we go again with the double bass credits. Oh, there's double bass credits later on. Oh, okay. But two bass credits, yes. Jim, electric guitar. Martin, electric guitar. Rob, drums. So Malcolm getting his fingers on the bass again. Yeah. Yeah. But so maybe we, know, we are learning that Bones... Is a guy who heads to the, the can a lot. Maybe. Maybe yeah. Bones is just drinking too much beer. Too much beer during the breathe sessions. Yep. The beer, the beer sessions. Relieve himself. Yeah. Okay, let's talk a lot about Bones relieving himself. <laughs> so here we are, Sins of Omission. Here's a song in B minor. Yep. Starts off with some neat... Well, it takes like almost half a minute to get started. Yes, it does. There's yeah. all this feedback in guitars... And Some is that the atmospheric drum? symbols. Is that yeah. like the drum ride or Yeah, whatever? well, you know how Rob does this thing where at the end of every song he stands up and he's got his, his two uh, crash symbols that he, yeah. he smacks yeah, on the side. Yeah, because he's got one on each side. Do yeah. you think they're twins? Like, do you think they're the same? Somebody posted from the Oil Drums book that I would so much love to get a copy of. Yeah. Um, some of the various kits he's had throughout the ages. But yeah, he has two of the same size crash symbols usually set up, perhaps different weights. So maybe not I identical, but similar. Not identical, but similar in probably size. I think he describes one of them as kind of like the, the dirty, nasty symbol and then a nice symbol. Yeah. Yeah. There's a guitars building up there. He's got the, the washing going on the symbols there. At about 22 seconds, yeah. there's... Is it a word? Is it a phrase? I know what he's saying. Oh. And I think I think it, it, it kind of fits in with the lyrics, too. Pete says, I'm just listening. Oh. Want me to play it for you? Yeah, yeah. I'm just listening. Yeah, that was pretty obvious then. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like an example of some of these room noises and stuff that we hear throughout the album, like people coughing, moving a chair. I think this is deliberate that they included this. Yeah. I'm just listening. I'm just listening. And then heavy. Super heavy. There's nice heavy guitars there. Uh, there's a good bass fill right at 45 seconds. And then they're putting the, the ride or the hats. The hats, or, is yeah. Is the hats, you think? Yeah. Right up in the middle of the mix. I yeah. Guess like, ooh, right. Yeah, they're, they're hi-hats that he's smacking throughout the whole song. But, okay, you know you know how hi-hats work. Yeah. Um, we talked about because of uh, Boy Toy. Yep. 
So when Boitoy uh, would play, uh, the drummer would often leave the hats open, and she would hit the hats, and they would smack against each other and, and make a real loud, crashy kind of noise, which is really cool. Rob's not quite doing that here, but the thing with a hi-hat is, when you're driving down the street in your car, you've got a gas pedal. I, I do. You can leave your foot off the gas pedal all the way. Or you can put it all the way to the floor, but you normally don't do that. You normally have it somewhere in between, right? Yeah. You, you, can, you can get variation in speed. Yes, you can. You do the same thing with your hi-hats. And this is what Rob's doing in this song. It's not totally open. It's not totally clamped shut, but he's, he's keeping it so that they're close enough together that you get that really good rattly sound, that smacky sound. But even throughout the song and throughout the verses, you can hear him as he's opening them up and tightening them just to very... Uh, the sound, he's not just hitting hi-hats open and closed to make a, a yeah. cool sound. He's hes using it like an expression pedal, maybe even like a wah-wah pedal or something like that. He's just really getting really neat sounds out of it. Yeah, it yeah. was so noticeable, I even wrote it down. There you go. Did you see? Yeah. yeah. Great. I'm listening to the drums. Mm-hmm. This song has a lot of, um, remember I was talking about the falling down the stairs kind of drum fills, yeah. like the little type stuff. Lots of what I think of as falling down the stairs fills in this song too. So yeah, we're, we're at this point where there's lots of, lots of really interesting drum stuff happening in the album and, and really picking it up, I think in sins of the mission. So yeah, there's this uh, heavy guitar groove at about 125, mm-hmm. uh, And then these nice warbly guitar bits uh, that Ooh. are descending. But it's kind of that high stuff, yeah. They're probably harmonics, yep. uh, but Jim's got lots of, I'm assuming it's Jim, mm-hmm. has lots of nice warble on his voice yep. and on his guitar voice. Yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he comes back, and that, that happens throughout the song. I think yeah, the song they, ends really in. well, too, with, with little glassy, it almost sounds glassy to me. I don't know why, but I describe it as glassy sounds. Yeah. Pete pulls out the falsetto. Right after. Yeah. Let's listen. Do you want to listen yeah, to the sure. falsetto? But that's just after the guitars start doing this backbeat kind of thing. A little bit of a raga, a, a raga thing going on here. Yeah, it switches to the backbeat, the the raga beat. Yes. Yeah, and then that's right. Switching things up rhythmically. Up Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he gets this nice harmonica solo and it's got a bunch of distortion on it and then keep playing through because his voice and the harmonica kind of do that mixed together thing again mm-hmm. like from way back on head injuries Would you say that the the sound of the harmonica in some of the songs is different? This is an especially bluesy. Yes. Yeah, and, and it goes with the New Orleans yeah. uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think this is uh, an especially bluesy style mm-hmm. harmonica. Speaking of the blues, yeah, it gets really bluesy. Like the whole song, like yeah. the way Pete sings 
and then there's this really bluesy harmonica solo. Yeah, and there's lots of lots of fun fills happening there too. I'm gonna I'm gonna start just a little bit before the the sins of omission chorus. Yeah. So we can listen to that, and we can also listen to Rob's fills. Yeah. song has like let's go and one more time yeah. and stuff which are very like you know this is blues music where the singer is shouting out these kind of you know one more of those yeah, and yeah. let's go yeah, and right so this is like an extremely blues influenced song mm-hmm. not just musically but even the the culture of it like yeah. it's it's kind of like like you can imagine this being a live performance in uh, New Orleans, yeah, almost blues jamming house. it out too. Yeah, right? jamming it's it out. Like, yeah, this is, we're not. It's not necessarily planned. Okay, we're going to go do this part now. Now let's try doing this thing over here. Yeah. Something I didn't mention at the beginning: the songwriting credit. This is the one that Malcolm Byrne gets a songwriting credit on. Mm. Hmm. That guy. So if you thought you liked the song, but you don't like Malcolm being involved, and now it's like, oh. Right. Malcolm. Great. So this is kind of like the second heaviest song on the album, Mm -hmm. but it's so obvious, even more so now, obvious to me that it's just is a blues, is like a New Orleans blues jam. Was was this recorded there? Is this one of the, I sure hope so. Let me take a look. Just to remind us, the songs that were recorded at Kingsway Studios, Sins of Omission, One Too Many Times, In the Rain, and probably E-Beat. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it even breaks down in a bluesy kind of way where different instruments are making their final Oh, yeah, the sounds. ending, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a cool ending. For me, the first hit of the album, getting into the meat of things and uh, really enjoying it at this point. On the fringes of torso and lips, straining to hear the voice of gospel choir, pummeled plains and beaten fields were never broken spirit within. That sounds to me like the Southern, like, like slaves. Sure. Somebody being abused, taken advantage of it sounds like. So this is like the Southern U.S. and the the slaves, what, what we, the plantations. Yep. But I feel like we're coming around. That's the chorus. And that's, that's the hope. Again, this yep. is the theme of hope. For me, this song is like, this is repentance and regeneration. The song is called Sins of Omission. Yeah. And when it says... I feel like we're coming around. It's talking about not just a person, but a perhaps a group of people, right? Yeah, we are like the a plural. society. Yep, coming around. Now, remember Pete says at the very beginning, I'm just listening. I'm wondering how that fits into this song, whether it was just something that he was saying in the in the room and the mics picked it up and they thought it was fun to include on, on the yeah. record, or whether there's a bit of a purpose behind it as well. Is the sin of omission the fact that he was just listening as opposed to listening to what's going on, seeing what's going on, and then acting upon it? Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything about it. Now, what's the shirt that he's wearing during the tour right now? To sin by silence makes yeah. cowards out of. 
Is it that kind of thing? Well, it sure seems to be. Like sins of omission, we shouldn't assume that everybody knows what the sins of omission are. Okay. Because I think a lot of the time, if if we still believe there's such a thing as sins or... Or even if we say doing wrong. Yeah, doing wrong things. Is an act that you do, you commit. Yeah. So Some we, sort of action. we usually think like the worst sins are like you're doing something to hurt somebody else, you steal from them, you whatever it is. But the sins of omission are the things you don't do, but by your inaction, that harm can come from us not doing anything as well. When we when we watch something bad going on and we look the other way mm-hmm. and ignore it, or just pretend we didn't see it, so we we're not involved. Yeah. So slavery of course, was very much that. There's a long history of slavery, and the oppressors would look at the other people, and surely some of them would think this is wrong, but they wouldn't do anything. Or, mm-hmm. or sometimes they would do something, but they were unable to affect change because most of society was against them. It's not easy to avoid sins of omission. Oh, yeah. They can be some of the hardest things because you're often going against your society or, or whatever to try and affect any change Mm -hmm. the later verses are a little bit odd cloudburst teeming insect wave and bite yes it's true we are not alone which is a really cool line but i don't know what it means really and you know those two lines i i can totally see that just describing the environment of the south but then yes it's true we are not alone interesting okay well yeah we're we're not alone there's people over there watching what's going on and not doing anything they're just listening yeah yeah tv silence it's a narrow mm. entrance. So now we're broadening things. So yeah. if we were being specific about slavery in the yeah. first verse, now we're broadening to things that are going on that are not being reported. Yeah. Um, we're yeah. back to the journalists again. Yep. The narrow entrance is often that biblical reference about yep. like... Uh, Jesus says that the way to him is through this narrow gate. It's easier for a... It's easier <laughs> to stick a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. So let's just broaden that. The idea being that the right thing to do is not always the easy thing to do. Often the right thing to do is the difficult thing to do. Yeah. It's just like sins that we were just saying about, sins of omission. Yeah. And then the third verse, now overcome it, you can outrun it when the roaring cease and the right stuff weaves and fits into your life. Oh, boy quick comment about the course before that it includes it's not oh, just sins of omission, omission but sins of omission no love no love yeah talking about that last verse um now overcome you can outrun it when the roaring cease and the right stuff weaves and fits into your life it's really cool lyrically but yeah nice internal rhyme cease and weaves mm-hmm. to me it sounds like grace being thrust upon somebody and bringing them into a state of repentance almost. So I, I use the term grace there because I'm thinking, you know, it's something beyond you. You're not in a place of repentance, but you, something overcomes you. Something brings you into that. It gets brought in, weaved into your life because I see this as a repentance and regeneration type song. Yeah. And then, you know, that last, course again i feel like we're coming around yes i feel like we're coming around is this society has got to the tipping point where we're recognizing these things are wrong and we're trying to do something about it i often think of this kind of thing as an individual thing yes as a society we have to 
it happens as a group. But that doesn't mean that individuals don't have to experience these things to make it happen in society as well. So I read and I hear we're coming around. I've always got that feeling of it's happening to individuals as well. Sins of Omission isn't my favorite song on the album, but I really do like it. Oh, yeah. It's getting, I like it a it's lot getting too. Into, that, into that meaty center of stuff that the I like. The meaty center of... Mm. So let's go deeper. Yeah. One Too Many Times. You want me to tell you yeah, tell who me does what? It. Peter with vocal and acoustic guitar, Jim with acoustic guitar and vocals. Wow, the yeah. mere image of each other. Ex- yeah. Martin, acoustic guitar, Rob, marching drum, oh. which brings to mind Jimmy Sharman's boxers at Goat Island with the big bass drum. I think that that's what this credit means is uh, that kind of marching drum. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm, harmonica and vocals, Bones, double bass. Double bass. There it is. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, did Emmy Lou not get a credit on here where she should have? Yes, because it does sound like there's another female voice mm-hmm. on this song. Yeah. And so was it Tina? Was it Emmy Lou? Emmy Lou. Who knows? I don't think it was just Bones or Rob singing real high. But maybe it was. We'll take a listen to it. And yeah. I think you'll say, no, it wasn't. Yeah, this one too many times. So it's interesting if Bones is playing the double bass. I wonder if he had been doing that at all before. Mm -hmm. Because after the Oils broke up, I guess we've talked about before that the other guys in the band, this is just totally my guess. I've never Mm -hmm. heard them talk about this. But after the Oils split, you know, like retired, split up, Bones was in the worst financial position of any of the guys because he had not collected any royalties from the huge Diesel and Dust. Yeah. And for that matter, 1098 and Red Sales, I'm sure had substantial Australian sales. Yep. And But like Diesel and Dust was just huge, right? Yeah. Although he was hired immediately yeah. after. He got paid for the touring, but yeah, he doesn't he got paid get for the touring. any royalties. Yeah. I guess I don't even absolutely know that Bones had to keep playing music for financial reasons. Anyway, he ended up after a little while leaving Australia, mm-hmm. going to the States, going to Nashville. Not New Orleans. Not New Nashville, Orleans, yeah. but he actually went to Nashville. He ended up with some decent gigs, but there were some years, I don't know if it was from about, I would guess, from 2004 to 2006 or something, mm. that from reading his blog, I wish it was, I don't think any of it's online, and yeah. probably Google doesn't have any of it, but he would basically write these depressing posts about how yeah. he was out of work and he was wow. looking for work. I think maybe even trying to like, sell online Skype lessons in those early years. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I think I finally get around to my point. Okay. I'm, I'm brutal, eh? Uh, I feel like you're coming around. It's interesting to learn that Bones played double bass back in 96. Okay. Because he ended up, when he had a steady gig with uh, a young country starlet playing bass for her band as she became pretty famous, he played stand-up bass and made a decent living touring with that. Right. So it's on. good to know he did that on one too many times. Yeah. So this is the country song. This, this is, is the totally country song. Boy, is this ever country. Okay, we're, we're basically halfway through the album now. Mm-hmm. This is only the second time we're hearing acoustic guitars. Only the one other song was like the, oh yeah, this is a strummy song. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of another song by any band that has more room 
ambience than Except this song. Except for In the Rain, no. Ah, yeah. okay, yeah. So right at the beginning, where are these? Are these toms or this is Rob playing his marching drum? There's these giant yeah. drums. Uh, yeah, definitely the stand-up bass, the double bass. Mm-hmm. You can hear that. With the room ambience, you know what? I'm thinking of Neil Young mm. on his album harvest moon Mm -hmm. and then well basically he's got three really country albums that did okay there's harvest 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 moon Mm. which was a full 15 years later and then in the 2000s he had prairie wind yeah and i think emmy lou appears on prairie wind so what i was getting to is with harvest moon had something I never heard before. A broom right. used as percussion. Yeah. And I swear I'm hearing the broom just oh, yeah? somewhere in there, but oh. I don't think I am. But I'm swearing I am. I can just hear that harvest moon broom. You can imagine in this. It. I, Even if you can't hear it, you can imagine it. Yeah, I, it's like I think I'm hearing it. I'm probably imagining it, but it's there in that room. So you know what I'm talking about, eh? Oh, like, yeah, I know what you're talking broom. about. So, so for the listeners, Neil Young's Harvest yep. Moon, there's a nice live performance, and there's the dude standing there behind Neil. With his with, corn broom. With his corn broom yep. sweeping the floor in time with the song. I'll put a, a link in the show notes. And yeah, at the end of each one too many times, Time. I am hearing the Lady BGVs. I don't think that's Bones. I yeah. think that's a woman. Yeah, I, I have in my notes, Lady BGV. Yeah, I have woman BGVs. Uh, Emmy Lou. Basically, every time well, that one, comes around. 138, and keep going because there's these room noises at 144 going into the harmonica solo. Okay. You had to steal that diamond ring. On the headstone, so inscribed, they cried, one too many times. Okay, so my mistake. 138 is where I hear the lady. Yeah, and and what I just played was Had to Steal That Diamond Ring, another lady vocals. But it seemed like a lady saying there too keep going to this room noises is that supposed to be drums or other sort of room noises going on here so yeah let's let's take a listen here and it's a very country harmonica being played here so we had bluesy stuff yeah we we know the the pete oils harmonica we've had the bluesy harmonica now we've got country harmonica and then room noise Yeah, there's definitely some sort of slapping, yeah. smacking, walking around the floor, yeah. something going on there. Interestingly, this harmonica solo is not Pete, right? Didn't we learn that this is Malcolm? Yes. So there you go. Because yeah. whether it's a different style of harmonica or not, the playing, the player, Pete does totally fine with his harmonica solo. Like, they're good. Oh, yeah. They're, like, they're good and they're catchy and they're they're exuberantly done. You can play harmonica, and I was talking about this yeah. on a previous album, in such a way that it, um, because of the shape of people's mouths and heads and stuff, that's why voices are distinct. 
and you can play a harmonica in a way that your voice comes through because of how your head and mouth and stuff all works. Yeah. And so often you can hear Pete's voice in his harmonica playing. And so definitely not hearing any Pete voice in this. Yeah. Is it the style or is it just... Well, it's the style, but... I think so too. A more skilled harmonica player perhaps more skilled than Pete. yeah i'm not able to do this but you can use your tongue to block certain holes yep. and really skilled harmonica players can actually block all the holes but one mm. so you can get this single note mm -hmm. and we're hearing it's rare I'm, I'm not saying pete never gets single notes maybe he does in blue sky mining or something like that but it's almost always chords yeah puffing and blowing you're hearing at least a couple, two or three. Puffing and blowing. Puffing and blowing. In this, you're hearing some very individual notes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Malcolm. So Malcolm M Malcolm probably said, just give me that harmonica. You can't. Don't you need to go pee? Yeah. Go go take a leak. I'm playing this one, Pete. So yeah, and we have a nice acoustic guitar solo. then another harmonica solo and then the song ends with kind of like a throat clearing yeah there is that yeah. and i just i just want to listen to something i have written in my notes here as well uh, regarding rob's drumming just a light brush smack through to the end so i want to listen just to the last little bit of the song and then we can hear that end and the and the cough throat clearing at the end but it's curious to hear if we can hear some brush Yeah, so is Rob using brushes on the drum there? I'm I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah, maybe, it, and maybe that's the the sweeping kind of sound that you're imagining. Yeah, I was hearing. playing brushes there, but yeah, maybe that's my imaginary broom. Yeah. And that harmonica solo sounded so Neil Young esque there. Yeah, this is actually the song that strikes me as a novelty song. Oh, really? On this album, yeah, okay. I I like it. Like stylistically, because yeah. hey, let's do a country song. Yeah, this it's just so so out there. I believe yeah. some people confuse One Too Many Times with the song Home, and they mm. think it's actually Emmy Lou. Maybe she does sing on this one, but when they think, oh, the country song, that's the yeah. one with Emmy Lou, and yeah. yeah, and they've got like the harmonica and the acoustic guitars. Yeah. It's like, oh no, those are two different songs. Sure. Yeah. So lyrically, so a little bit of a standout lyrically as well and not standout as in a, wow, this is an exemplary song, but no, it's a little bit different from what we're getting into at the album at this point, I think. This is kind of like the let's expand upon the whole progress theme. Okay. So there's a few ways to take a look at the song. Upon first listening, sounds a little bit like an abusive relationship, perhaps. Yeah. Right? Then I wonder maybe they're using this as a metaphor for something else maybe this is an abusive environmental relationship maybe just pulling some stuff out from from the second verse but perhaps even more so the third verse we're so human so small always coming back for more you know maybe but i think what it's getting at overall is just that insatiable human desire to always have something more never being satisfied with what we have. I think that's a universal condition 
and so when when we have like the progress songs like the single issue songs that that i used to joke around with back in the day at the sake of whatever like what kind of things do you want for progress and is progress a good thing this is where i get the whole let's expand it and and look at it more as individuals and how it affects us and this is just what we're like we just all we're just never satisfied and i think that's kind of what the song is getting at even though we're talking about maybe a story about abuse or something else or maybe a couple little snippets images i think the idea is we're never satisfied yeah i I just basically wrote one word greed there you go the song is about greed yeah and about how yeah well and but i think there is a slight distinction to be made between greed and not being satisfied maybe maybe you can maybe somebody can say greed is oh i i want that thing but i think the idea getting here is that you're never going to be satisfied with getting that one more thing greed is something that is always going to be with you and that is always part of us yeah 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 so it's like yep it's about greed but yeah. yes that is the nature of greed yeah is how it keeps pushing it's it's like yeah not being satisfied mm-hmm. and it can it can be like a greed for things but it can be a, a desire for for power for control over other people um even just exercising your own will in your life yeah you know so yeah so when it's, when it's, it's a broad thing if it's not just that's right so greed is a little more specific than just whatever it is we're always after if it is power or hunger or yeah. whatever yeah it's it's that idea like a, a second helping yeah third third and fourth, and fourth. exactly yeah and it's gone yeah yeah now it's gone now it's gone so that that's right it can be turned around and then you can say yeah it's like us in the environment mm-hmm. it's like us in how we treat one another the steve jobs thing i was working on you know, I was reading more about Foxconn and the, the mm. workers that make our iPhones and so on. We really don't think of, of them like when we want our shiny new phone. Sure. We wish things, well, we wish for a simpler time when things were handmade. Mm. And the reality is... These things are handmade. These things are handmade. Our iPhones are handmade. Right. There are these people that do so much of the assembly. It is not a robot force. Yeah. They get the the parts come out of machines, yeah. but then they are all put together by hand. Right, right. Yeah, amazingly. Huh. So I don't want to say that you want to throw this away as a novelty song. I don't mean it's no. novelty as a, as a joke. It definitely has a serious subject, mm-hmm. but it's just the sound of it is so strikingly different yep. Yep. that that's what makes it. And just in the same way, when I said... Uh, Outbreak of Outbreak Love. Of Love yeah. strikes me as a novelty song yeah it's just so so different and it's in a way it's cliched it's almost like so different that it is picking up on a like a cliche or a trope yeah and when i hear this it's kind of like neil young sitting around in the the room but neil young was borrowing in his country like he brought the country are you ready for the country? are you ready for the country yeah because it's is that it for one too many times i think so Hey, Darren, I think I got to take a leak, so don't you touch my bass. No, no, I'll call Malcolm in. He'll oh. he'll play for you. Oh, man. So we'll be back next time at the same place. The comfortable place on the couch. That's where it is, the comfortable place on the couch. We can't even say that we'll be listening to side two. No. We will continue listening to Comfortable Place on the Couch next. Breathe. We will continue listening to Breathe 
next. If you want to check out the show notes, they're online at darrenfolds.com slash podcasts, and you can contact us on Twitter. I'm at Darren the Folds. He's at Robin Harbin. Yes. We'll see you soon. Next time on the couch. Good night. Good night. What do we got there? Rockets? Jets? Leviathan? Behemoth? Big plane. Or a rocket. Or the end. The North Koreans. Quick, get on cbcnews.ca and find out what's going on. That's really got sustained to it. Yeah. Oh, Jake McKinley was writing me. Ah. Oh, Jake. Um, it well, seems like that rocket's time, going away, so. so it didn't kill us, so we're okay. Yeah.